This is BeExposedRadio.com. Welcome to another week of Living a Rich Life. I'm your host, Rich James. And Living a Rich Life, we believe it's important for folks to be inspired, informed, and we're going to remind each and every one of you on how to live a rich life through six principles. Those principles are good health, strong relationships, financial freedom, goals and achievement, extraordinary experiences, and philanthropy. And to help me do that today, we have a phenomenal guest. We're going to talk movies. We're going to talk book writing. We're going to talk all things entertainment. But before we do that and introduce our amazing guests, here are a few Living a Rich Life recent moments in time. So I don't know if everyone's aware, but you know this we're still in the COVID era. And what's happening is CIAA was scheduled to be here in Baltimore, Maryland. So I want folks to make sure that, you know, the CI virtual fan experience is here in Baltimore. So be sure to register for all those different events. Um, and it should be a good experience. Um, in other news, Tiger Woods is recovering from major surgery after a high-speed car crash. And as I mentioned, you guessed it. COVID is still here. Real simple, we're gonna keep it light. But that being said, let's talk about it. Today's featured guest is a screenwriter who often writes meta rom-coms. We're gonna talk about that. Has written two books, Pretty Brown Eyes and The Sum of All Things. Serves as head writer and producer for the web series Tollbooth an excellent series that we're definitely going to talk about, a favorite of mine, has written and directed his forthcoming feature films, Letters from Sam, and one that's coming up that you don't want to miss called The Detour. Please welcome, and stay with me now, director, writer, composer, editor, actor, cinematographer, producer, husband, and wife, uh, husband and father, excuse me, the dynamic and creative Mr. Derek Lewis Gray. I think I take yourself off a of mute there. Okay, unmute um, my audio. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so what's going on, sir? Hey, nothing much, nothing much. Thank you for having me on. Well, well thank you for joining. Uh, I, I know um, right now it's a, it's a busy time because I know you're in post-production for a few things and a lot's happening in your world. So I thank you for taking the time to, uh, to share your story. Um, and we want to talk about all things entertainment, all things movie, all things produce, all things direct, all that good stuff. How's that sound to you? Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. All right. So, so let's get into it because I spit off quite a few titles there, right? right. Um, how do you balance your professional career and, and the personal life first and foremost, before we dig into stuff? Oh man, it's, uh, it's very difficult to do actually. Um, and it's something that I still, just to be honest with you, I still work on trying to balance to this day. Um, but it takes a lot of ability to need to communicate 
uh, with your partner, with your family, and just do better when you find that you've missed the mark of not being able to provide the attention that you need to give to your family, to your close friends, whomever. You've got to make sure that you just do better. Uh, but yeah, communication is the key. And letting them know the schedule in advance. I have, a, I have a strong support group at home, and it takes a lot of planning and communication with those, with those that are important to you. Right. Understandable, understandable. And, and, and I, I do want to say, because you know we, we do our research here, and we was reading your bio, and it sounds like you probably can make a film about your family in itself, you know, because there's that family, uh, Full House, that movie, that TV series, Full House, right? Yeah, Full House over here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a black Uncle Jesse, a black uh, friend Joe, we got the whole nine. No, um, yeah, we have uh, not only with my wife, my two kids, our two dogs. Um, we also have my mother, my mother-in-law, all living in the same same house so it it's um you know it's a lot it's a lot uh so yeah that's why i always equate it to the black full house so you have a lot of people but it, it's funny that you bring that up because um we've uh, my wife and i have been working on a a project for a while titled um, african-american my wife is ethiopian and um i've been peddling a um a pilot called African-American about our lives. Me being, um, you know, African-American, we call African-American and my wife being African. Um, that's a show that we're working on. So that, that to, to add to your point, you could write a show about our home life here. That's what we're doing actually, that's funny. Okay, now see that? Like I said, we do our research so we know something's going on with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so let's tell the folks, so, so how long have you been in, in, in the entertainment industry, in the film industry? Um, I've been writing uh, since the a twenty years ago. So since I was um, been writing for a long time since I was a kid. But um, I started to work to strive to do this professionally uh, about uh, twenty years old. Uh, so I've been doing this now for twenty almost twenty one years. Mm -hmm. um, writing, uh, working on my projects, and then building to that level to you know get the stuff out there. Nice, nice. So let's talk about some of the things that you have put out there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we, we have an extensive timeline here as my, my team pulled together. And I think it's called a, a, a filmography. Is that? Yeah, filmography. <laughs> yeah, that's filmography? what it is. Mm -hmm. so, you know, when I'm looking at it, it, it goes back pretty, pretty far. Um, again, from a writing standpoint, Pretty Brown Eyes. Um, yeah. That, right. That was a book. Um, and that was in 2011. Um, and we're going to get, we're going to, cause we got some time. We're going to, we're going to bring it all through. Oh, yeah. Then uh, 25 years. Yes. That was another piece of work. Right. Right. Um, what's, what's, let's, what's, what's some other works here? I have Balterwood. Yeah. So, uh, Baltywood, uh, so yeah, so the, the book, pre brought eyes, then we turned the book into, uh, then I turned the book into a feature film. Okay. Then um, I did, which was my first, my first, one of my first films. Uh, then 25 years was followed by that. Um, then followed by 25 years, I then did a um, uh, some web series. But then following by, by Toll Booth, um, then we go into Letters from Sam. Now we're doing the Detour. 
if I'm not mistaken. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's where we currently are at this moment is okay. the detour. So I want to take I, I want to take and again as we bring folks in up to speed on some of your work. Yeah. Um, so let let's start with the toll booth series. So that was what 2018. Uh, we actually started in 2017. Uh, we didn't start to get you know the notoriety around the area that we have now until the second season, which was 2018. Okay, okay, and and I will say for folks that's watching, listening now. Toll Booth series is definitely a series that you want to check out. Um, I've had the pleasure of having some of the cast members on my show recently. So I figured we might as well put the master, uh, the, the master planner that put it together. We might have him on the show to kind of capitalize and finalize everything. Yeah. So how, how do you, how do you choose your cast members? Let's talk about that. Um, I choose, well, I choose my cast members based upon, well, just taking a step back, originally, it was I would go on websites that, um, that you know, you know that a lot of actors in the area are frequent, um, a lot of, you know, actors access, um, uh, what else? Oh, man. Um, Craigslist, before it got too sketchy, I used to, <laughs> Uh, believe it or not, you know, uh, most of my actors from back in the day, like in the very beginning, I got a lot of those people from Craigslist. Um, but this just started to hear too much stuff in the news, a lot of scary stuff. So I kind of stayed away from Craigslist. Um, but what happened is that I then continued to work with the same actors for every project that I had. And some of these actors uh, were back when I couldn't afford to pay anybody, but they continued to come back. Um, and work with me on different projects. Once um, I started to do Toll Booth season two, that's when I really didn't have to start to audition per se. Um, I then was able to write a project and I could kind of sense a person that I've worked with in the past mm -hmm. and I would reach out to that individual um, to work with them. And that's and if I if I and if I was like split between who I wanted to work with more, I would normally like do an audition. Or sometimes I would just write and say, you know what, I'm hearing this person's voice more than this person's voice. And I would just, you know, ask that person to come on. And sometimes another thing is that once sec second season of Toll Booth came around, we got a lot of people that would like would would DM me or send me emails, send me reels. And so as we started to, to develop the, the world of toll booths, um, as well as we started to develop other film projects, I was able to reach out to those individuals to come and audition. Once you audition with me once, you're pretty much in the family. It's kind of like the mafia, you know what I mean? Once you're in, you can't, you know, there's no leaving. And so that's happened a lot too, where people have, uh, once they've auditioned and I know they've got talent, I keep them on for every project that I, that I do and I try to write something up. And if their voice comes to mind, I'll cast them. Okay. All right. So uh, in, in terms of, because so, you mentioned Toll Wolf, and again, I, I've, I've seen it. So you know what I'm going to ask, right? We, I'm expecting another season. You're supposed to see him. Me too, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we left season three, too, on a major cliffhanger uh, for any of those who, people who might have seen it. Uh, but, you know, to be honest with you, Here's the thing. Um, these shows aren't cheap. If you do it, you know, 
because I, I want to I want to choose my words correctly because this is not to down anyone else who's out there or discourage anyone out there that wants to start doing it because the toll booth you see um, now is not the toll booth it was when we first started either. Uh, but when you continue to improve upon your quality of your content, you can't then go back uh, to how you were in the beginning. That being said, Tollbooth is not, for an independent filmmaker such as myself, um, is not, it's cheap, I would say it's very cheap for Hollywood standards. Okay. But for an independent filmmaker who's trying to get the attention of those individuals who have the power and the ability to put us on a streaming platform long term, it's very, it's expensive. So to make it look the way it looks. And so that being said, um, COVID has been a blessing and a curse to a lot of people. And I'll say why. It's been a curse in the sense of a lot of stuff has been shut down. We can't operate in the same way we, we were able to. But a blessing in the sense of it's giving me enough time to try to make those connections and get those people with the influences and the power to bring us on to a streaming platform. Because um, I produced Tobu solely myself for all three seasons. And I can no longer do that. <laughs> so uh, my goal this year has been really just working on meeting um, individuals in, in, in Hollywood and in New York who um, have shown interest in the show or have the ability to, you know, produce the show uh, long term, at least for another two years. So right. that's um, because when focusing on this new Tollbooth, the revamp, um, my goal was to have Tollbooth a five year project. So we're two years shy of that five years. Uh, so I really want to finish the story that I at least originally uh, came up with um, when developing the show into a web series. Well, you, well you're not the only one. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan for more reasons than one. And uh, I'll continue to pray that that happens. I, I believe you will make it happen. Yeah. Let's let's shift gears a little bit. So let's talk about some of your uh, recent work. Letters from Sam. Yeah. About that, tell us what the inspiration was to, to put that piece of work together. Letters from Sam um, was is a project that I started to work on um, for ooh, since 2012. I started to work on it in 2012 when it was called Letters from Kate, Letters from Kate, Letters. It just changed who the letters were from. Okay. Uh, but ultimately, it came. I came to mind because a friend of mine had told me that she was receiving these letters, um, and the, these love letters from someone, like a secret admirer, and she couldn't figure out who it was from. And that uh, triggered an idea in my mind where I would reverse it though, and it would be, it would start off a mystery man sending letters to someone, but then the, 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 the woman would then get the letters and then start writing them as if she were someone else. So uh, Letters from Sam is basically about a romance novelist who has hit a, a, a drought in her career and receives a letter that was intended uh, for a man's ex-wife. And she is inspired to write back and forth from this guy. And then, of course, eventually they meet in person, fall in love, but then she must still continue this ruse of writing these letters. Uh, so that's where the title Letters from Sam comes from, because these letters are actually from Sam, not from the ex-wife. So yeah. that um, is what Letters from Sam is about. And that's coming out late spring. 
early summer on Amazon Prime. Yeah, so 2021. Yeah, so this year, 2021, Letters from Sam. Nice. Now that story, that backdrop, that sounds messy to me, but (laughs) I look look forward to seeing that because, you know, sometimes messy is good, right? Make the best stories, yeah. So it's messy, it's funny, um, it's a definitely, it's, it's a romance comedy in the pure sense of the word. Um, and it was fun making. Yeah. So, um, and we shot that in 10 days. Um, and that was, that was fun. That was a fun project. So let's talk about, so you, you mentioned two things there, romance and comedy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, meta rom-coms. Yes. Um, yeah. So basically that term is, I like, uh, romantic comedies that follow the, the same structure of boy meets girl and boy and girl fall in love, boy and girl hate each other, but then you know they get back together. But I also like to tackle the realism of a lot of the topics that people go through in real life. So that's where that term comes from. I don't simply just like to play fiction and build it up. I really like to look at the dynamic between men and women and what could potentially happen in these situations in real life. Uh, so that to me is fun because, you know, a lot of people say that their life could play out like a movie. Well, in my case, I create fiction from things that could happen in real life. And that's the and that's what I love to, to play with um, when it comes to, you know, those rom-coms and those dramas and, and, and things of that nature. So, so with that being said, um, what what are some of your favorite movies? So when you put it like that, when you give me that definition, yeah. I got a favorite movie in mind right off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Well, my favorite movies are um, my two, three favorite movies. I have um, Love Jones, uh, You've Got Mail, and When Harry Met Sally. To me, are my favorite three, my top three of movies of all of all time. I have several other movies, of course, but those three are my favorite. Um, Love Jones because of the drama and the romance um, with elements of comedy. That's actually I, that's actually how I got started was writing things with drama with an element of funny before funny became more so the forefront. Mm-hmm. And then Letters from Sam and When Harry Met Sally. Um, I'm a big fan of Nora Ephron and all of her work that she's done and her writing is just so appealing to me. The way in which she doesn't underwrite, she doesn't overwrite. She just, you know, she's the Goldie, Goldie Bear, you know, Goldilocks of the Three Bears of writing, you know, not too much, not too little. Uh, she was right down the middle and she was a, a phenomenal writer that um, I learned so much from. I've downloaded all of her scripts and I've read all of her scripts and just the way in which she writes um, is definitely an inspiration for me. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm sure you're inspiring someone now with, with your work. And, and I will say all those movies you mentioned, mm-hmm. and I'll throw in love and basketball. I love it. Yeah. And that's probably why I, I enjoy, you know, the stuff that you've put out there, mm-hmm. um, which leads me up to your most recent work that's coming out now. Yeah. The detour. Yes. So yeah. tell, us, tell us about the detour. Oh, the detour. Uh, well, the detour is about um, a very uh, structured, serious um, businesswoman who, on the way to a wedding venue, her own wedding venue, 
Um, she takes a wrong turn um, and then gets in a car accident. And basically at that point, um, meets someone that challenges her way of thinking. She lands in a town that is the complete opposite of what she's from. She's from the big city in New York. She goes to a small town in New York where they do things completely different. And that's where her life just gets turned upside down with uh, things not being structured, things not going according to a certain way. And it drives her nuts. And she has to deal with that. So it's the underlining, um, it's the underlining message that some of the best laid out plans don't always go according to plan. Mm. And what do you do when that happens? Again, the meta com, the meta rom com element of we have a tendency to have these five year plans and ten year plans, and and you want everything to be a certain way, and then as soon as you think you got it something pulls a monkey wrench into your plan and you've got to regroup and rethink. And the detour was built from that idea. I, I love the name. I definitely love the name. So for those that are just tuning in, we are talking to Derek Lewis Gray, a writer, producer, screenwriter, um, you know, you name it, everything entertainment. And we're talking about his latest project, The Detour. Um, so, so tell us why folks should go see the detour. Oh well, people should go see the detour because it's got a little bit of everything uh, for people, but not overwhelming. Um, if you like romance, it's got romance. If you like comedy, it's got comedy. And if you like drama, it's got drama. <laughs> um, so it is a rom dramedy. I like to call it a rom dramedy. You know, you've heard dramedies. Drama and comedy, but I call it a romantic drama comedy, which I um, I just love uh, about that, and that's why when uh, we released the trailer this week, I put out the trailer. That's why I thought it was important to include all those elements and tell that you know tell that story of of so people who watch it will know what they're getting. If you take a look at the trailer for it, uh, which is available on my on my Instagram and my Facebook pages. Uh, you'll see that it is a little bit of everything. And there's something for everybody, which I think that's important for film goers and it keeps people, you know, excited. And some of the film, films I love the most as well, like I said, when starting out, um, the films that I gravitated to the most were the films that had a little bit of everything for everybody. And I think that's what good, good films are about. That, that makes sense to me. So let's do that now. So I've seen the trailer. My, my, my team, you know, let me know that it was out there. I've seen the trailer. Tell folks exactly what your, your social media is that they can go out and, and check out the trailer now. Can you do that for us? Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at Derek Lewis Gray. So make it very easy for everybody. Derek Lewis Gray, that is my handle. On, I'm on Instagram and uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm working on up in my Twitter game. I've spent a little bit more time on Twitter. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, mm-hmm. but I'm getting there. And uh, any business contacts, things of that nature for business inquiries only. Um, I'm also available on LinkedIn at Derek Lewis Gray as well. And you can see the trailer on uh, my LinkedIn page as well. All right. Um, so we talked about a little bit about, you know, because again, the show is about inspiring folks. Um, and and what, what, what skills does it take 
do you to have to be a filmmaker? What skills do you think you, you need to be a filmmaker? First and foremost, no matter if you're in front of the camera or behind the camera, you have to have an ability to tell a story. Mm. Um, and I'm not talking about because some people say I want to I want to write you know I want to do a film, but I don't know how to um, write a script. Well, you can still hire somebody to create a script based upon your idea. So that shouldn't deter anyone either. It really comes down to do you have the ability to tell a story? Um, so that's a key word: tell, not necessarily write. Tell a story. And um, you can either tell stories with the word, you can tell stories um, with the way in which you express yourself or uh, utilizing the camera, um, and even in post-production, how you edit the story. You know, sometimes you may need to take a different approach than what was on the paper. And then you have to do it that way, through editing, through color correction. So first and foremost, the ability to tell a story. If you can tell a story and a story that's appealing to your audience, mm -hmm. everything else comes together. Everything else is a cakewalk at that point. Um, as far as being it, uh, there's a lot of things afterwards. So I definitely do not want to make it seem like it's a walk in the park. But if your goal is to be a filmmaker, then, okay, what's your story? And if you got your story, then you're, ha you're that's half the battle right there. Okay. Uh, I, well, I, I can tell stories, but no screenwriting for me. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I stay in my lane. This is where I tell my story here on Be Exposed Radio. That's that's how I do it. <laughs> so as I, as I mentioned before, Derek, um, I've had several of your, your actresses on, on the show. And uh, my question is uh, always just, I think it's astonishing when you're in a position like yourself, you're casting folks, and just working with a team of individuals. Yeah. Have you ever had to work with an angry actor, actress, and how did you handle that situation? I didn't hire them again. That's one thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you may not even ever see them in one of my projects. Um, yeah. Uh, how do you? So ha handling it on the set. Um, here's one thing: uh, if you haven't taken any kind of communication classes or any classes where you have to have, you know, conflict resolution courses. I highly re recommend that because I think one of my saving graces have been, um, even with people who I work with to this day, um, I'm, it's not always a kumbaya moment. Right. One of the things that I think I had going for me, and that's why I say some of the, some of the best laid out plans, like in the detour, back to the detour, it sometimes don't go the way you think they're supposed to go, but they happen for a reason. So. Um, Back in the day, for any of the people who may be, um, you know, for the youngest out there, there used to be a time that if you were under your parents, you know, medical insurance, you were kicked off like at 21 or something like that. So um, not 26 the way it is now. So basically, um, as soon as I graduated from school, I had to get a job. So I started to work into customer service, which transformed into management. And I've been in management. Um, pretty much since then, in some form or fashion. But what it taught me in management is how do you how do you speak to somebody who's a disgruntled employee? How do you deal with something where you have to give bad news to a group of employees where you have to tell them, hey, some people are going to be laid off or we're downsizing, and you've got people who got you know mouths to feed at home. That taught me how to speak to other individuals and do so with compassion. 
understand, but then advise, here's how we're going to go. That's my foundation. Before I became a, a director, that's what I was doing. And because of that, I have been able to professionally, and I would hope, you know, my actors would say in a calm way, um, express how I feel and what's going on. Um, but that's, that's how you do it. You have to be, you have to be professional, number one. And number two, don't believe your own press. I demand a certain amount of professionalism. If I see that my actors, because we do have a fun environment on set, if I see that my actors or actresses are kind of like on lunchtime and we're goofing around a little bit, I do have to put on that supervisory hat and get everybody back into focus. But when it comes to disagreements or it comes, you know, you know, one time I had to change something in the script, one of my actors who thrives off of, you know, practicing mm-hmm. beforehand. And getting her lines down uh, beforehand, and I had to express to uh, a tour that you know, you know, in the you know, in the world outside of Maryland, Hollywood, you know, this is sometimes a natural occurrence. Right. And I understand that you want this to be you you want this to be done you know earlier, but we have to alter the script. Right. So I was able to do that in a way that acknowledges the actor's concern, but also. Tell them this is the way it has to be. And that's how you've, uh, you you work with an actor that might be angry um, and normally understand. If an actor gives you too much problems or they start believing their own press, which there's some people that have done that in the past, like, you know, one one actor I've worked with uh, back in the day, I just don't work with that, you know, individual anymore. Um, and that's, you know, because there's, there's no time for that. Um, if, you make the, if you make the set uncomfortable for, for your peers, for me, <laughs> why are you hanging around? You know, so it happens. This is true. This is true. Once again, this is Living a Rich Life here on BeExposedRadio.com. We are talking to director, producer, cinematographer, screenwriter, Derek Lewis Gray. Um, So by all means, if you have any questions, please uh, jump in on the chat. Give us the phone lines are open and um, he'll take any questions that you have. So we're we're, going to. Keep it going um, as we get to dig into his brain and, and just talk Hollywood stuff here in, in, in Maryland and, and abroad, right? Yeah. So, so tell me, how does where you live influence how and what you make in terms of features, right? How do you think Maryland Ooh. currently affects your work and, and your process? That's a good question. And I, and I saw, um, you know, that question, uh, and I just thought that's a perfect you know, topic to discuss because um, bottom line is that uh, it shouldn't. Now, from an actor standpoint, yeah, a lot of the projects are produced in LA. So it would make sense that once you had enough titles under your belt, if you're doing more work predominantly in LA, you need to go there from an actor standpoint. But from a filmmaker standpoint or a writer standpoint, which I am, I'm a, I'm a writer first, mm-hmm. director second, but it really doesn't matter because you can produce a film here in Maryland. And if it's quality content, there are several um, acquisition uh, managers of, you know, well-known, reputable production companies and networks and streaming services that will take your product. So it really doesn't matter from um, a filmmaker standpoint and filmmaker, because that's a very broad umbrella. So I will say from a writer's standpoint, 
and a producer of film. It really shouldn't impact you because um, I have, through networking, have been at least been able to have conversations with well-known producers um, that have taught me and shown me that, hey, I live, I live 30 minutes from you, bro. You do not need, LA is not the, you used to think so. But right. similar to how video killed the radio star and TV killed radio uh, from back in the day, you know, our parents and our grandparents' day, um, the internet, the interwebs have destroyed, re-revolutionized the way in which we produce film. And what COVID has done to the dismay of a lot of uh, you know, film goers has also shown us what we thought couldn't be possible is possible. Do we have our preference? I'm sure a lot of us long for the days we could go to movie theater and, and we wish we could pay for some overpriced popcorn right now. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what, what COVID forced us to do and see, although a lot of us um, you know, web guys and, and gals, we knew this already, right. that the, 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 the internet, for prime example, is a way to get your work out. And it really comes down to networking and how do you promote your product? That's really what's getting in people's way. It's not your location. So I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was one of those early in my career thinking that I had to move to LA to get somewhere. But man, um, in 2001, when I first started, yeah, that, that, that was probably the thing. But you know, not anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. Seem like we have a caller. Uh, caller, this is Rich James. This is Living a Rich Life talk show. What's your name? Hello, hello. My name is Derek Dixon. Derek Dixon. Okay, Mr. Dixon, do you have a question for Mr. Derek Lewis Gray? I have a comment. I worked with Mr. Gray on the in the movie that featured film The Detour. And I will tell you that you know I was listening to when Derek was talking about conflict resolution and things like that. Derek is the most uh professional common person that you could ever work with. If there was any type of conflict, you would never know. You know, and we've had several different detours <laughs> while <laughs> filming. <laughs> And but you know what? We came in on set. You didn't know. All of a sudden, there was a new person. You're like, "Hey, how you doing?" And you know, we all greeted and everything. Okay, let's get to work. And we were like, uh, uh, "Okay." <laughs> so it was so professional. I've always watched Derek's work, and I was like, "Man, I would love to work with him." As a another writer, I thought he it was just so intriguing to watch his work, and I never knew him. And he gave me the opportunity to work in his, on his film. Um, I would Google his, um, like, uh, you know, the work that he's done and toll booth. And I was like, how am I going to get on this, on, you know, work with these actors? Because his actors were so professional. It was like working with, you know, Angela Bassett. I'm like, where, did he, where is he finding these people? I was intimidated because I'm like, how am I going to do so? When I first went on set, I was so nervous. But he makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel family. And like you said, once you work with him, you're family. So Derek is the, one of the, I, I'm telling you, I, I was so, so impressed. It made me 
love film more. I come from a theater background, but it made me love film so much more and intrigued more about film. But he's a great writer, great director, and I, I was just honored to uh, work with him. So that's all I wanted to say. Okay, well, thank thank you for sharing that. Uh, Derek, did you want to say something in relation to that? Yeah. Well, first, thanks, Derek. Um, I appreciate that. And yeah, that's that's just how you know how it goes. We um, and the detour it really spoke to the theme of the movie. Uh, and we lost. I lost my my actor, my leading actor, and my leading actress within a couple of weeks of each other. And I had to um, recast. And um, yeah. And the only people that knew about it were the people with my other two leads. So basically, um, so when I lost my first actor, uh, then I brought in uh, Lydia. And then I lost Lydia Washington, who plays Melanie in The Detour. And then I lost uh, my leading actor. And then that's when I brought in Malcolm Bowens, who who plays Ben in the, in the movie. And so, uh, but yeah, the actors you should never know. And these are, and this is through trial and error, uh, because you forget, because you you forget that it it it's a business at the same time. And the actors, and this is what an actor told me before um, when we were in, in a heated exchange. And the actor told me that the the cast doesn't need to know what goes on behind the scenes. They don't need to know. I'll I'll go ahead. I'll address things with them so they 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 are aware because actors are very you know particular about how things are, how things look, how that impact me. That you know that's just the nature of working with actors. Um, but as far as the drama behind the scenes and all that stuff, your actors don't need to know. And sometimes I I still see it to this day. Sometimes actors will um, come on board and they will ultimately just you know, forget that you can't tell your actors everything. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got to keep, keep some stuff, you know, tied up. Absolutely. I understand. Well, thank you, Carla. Thank you for responding back there, Derek. Um, so I, I mentioned about the location, and I really was setting you up for another question because I believe that the DMV, and more so Maryland, has a lot of... Um, What's, what's the word on it? It has, has a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent here in the Baltimore surrounding area, just from actors, I mean, you know, entrepreneurs. There's a lot of talent here. And one in particular that you had an opportunity to interview yeah. from, from this area, and that would be David E. Talbert. Yes, yes. Um, so how, how did it feel to, to interview David, David E. Talbert? Um, it was an out-of-body experience in a sense. Uh, because with, uh, Mr. Talbert, I was just, uh, starting out and he was still doing plays, just plays. He hadn't even come out with first Sunday yet, which I believe was his first, uh, feature film. He was still doing plays and doing books. And actually I, I was interviewing him, you know, a, a, in response to a book. And what happened is that we were just able to connect on a level that was um, interesting because he went to Morgan. I went to Morgan. Um, he, I went to Morgan. Yeah. Well, you know, MSU. So, you know, so we were able to, to discuss things on that level and um, just learning. It, it, it gave me a sense of hope 
because here I was interviewing a guy. And at the time, all I wanted to do was get my stuff out so that I didn't have to work a nine to five. And he was at least doing that. And he made a comment that he woke up one day and he said that his dreams had caught up his life, his real life. had caught up with his dreams. And I said, wow, I want to do that. So sitting next to him was like a dream come true. It was like, okay, I have hope now because you went to the same school I went to, was inspired by some of the same things. Uh, you see someone that you admire, you want to go home and you want to write. For him, it was Shelly Garrett, you know, he, he, who was, again, for the youngest out there, was a, um, a writer of stage um, and theater. Um, so that, again, it was just, it just gave me hope. And seeing where he's at now, um, it just uh, really you know, solidifies, cemented the idea of you just got to keep pushing. Because um, back in 20, 2005, when I first interviewed him, he had said that his, his real life had caught up to his dreams. But I'm sure he had no idea what would happen. You know, just a mere, um, what was it, you know, 15 years later, what his life would be. Right. You know, and now with his, you know, his Christmas movie on Netflix that did tremendously well, people who didn't even know who David E. Talbert was now know who David E. Talbert is. So it's funny how that works. Yeah, um, yeah that just gave me hope, that interview. Well, 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 I, wish I, still, I wish I still had it, but, you know. <laughs> well, well, I got a good research team. We might be able to find something for you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You're not just living a rich life with Rich James, but uh, I am the network connoisseur. So, uh, <laughs> um, all right, so let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. One thing I always like to ask my guests is um, I think everyone has a superpower. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you, what's, what's your superpower? Um, my superpower, I believe, is the ability to connect. I think that's a very important, um, important power to have is the ability to connect with individuals and see where they're coming from. It's something that um, is not easy to do, but just having a sense of empathy has been um, a gift that's, you know, a power that I feel that I was blessed with, that I thank God for every day because, um, you need to be able to empathize with an individual, not only to know where they're coming from, put yourself in their, their, their shoes, but through empathy, you can connect with someone, even if you're having a disagreement. That's, that's one of the keys. Absolutely. A absolutely. Now, before we close out, there's a few things, you know, because I, I want to give, you know, your props to where props should, should be um, given. And, and I think you've definitely established that. Based on what I've done, my research, my, my reading, my watching of your films, um, I want to get your sense because I know Letters from Sam and The Detour are definitely going to be up for something. I, 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 just on the trailers alone, I see it's going to be up for something. How did you feel to have Toll Booth series named as an official selection for the Baltimore Web Fest Awards? for best writing in a web series? Because we talked about the internet and I want to make sure that you get your props because you did, you know, that's something that occurred. I'm, I'm not making that up. Right? Yeah. 20, 2019 was a good year. We won the, uh, we were, uh, we won an award for that as well. We ended up winning. Uh, and then we won several awards at the Capitol Web uh, Festival um, in Washington, D.C. Um, for the first annual. Um, 
it was it was great. Uh, like I said, I said in my um, one of my many of my speeches, but I always make sure I, I make mention of this. We went through a um, a hard time our first season um, with the show because um, it was it was the first time um, that I worked on a series and um, to that level, and it was the the first season wasn't as good as it could have been. And the internet doesn't really give people an opportunity to grow. They don't give people a second chance. They'll, they'll tell you what they think about you um, anytime they see you and twice on Sunday. So the internet let us have it uh, and let me have it really, because I, I take, if they love it, it's like a good coach. If they love it, props goes to your actors because they're the ones that brought it to life. If they hate it, it looks at me because you would hope that I have put the right actors in place, which I believe I have. So if your actors aren't delivering the lines the right way, or if the, if the storyline is not, you know, the way it should be, the only person that you should blame is, is me. So I took it to heart. Um, but I was reminded of something that my father told me years ago where, you know, never let anybody make you doubt your abilities. And I believe that, I, you know, I'm here for a purpose of writing and to entertain individuals and to inspire individuals through my writing. And I can't let anyone doubt my abilities. So when we won um, the Baltimore Web Festival, when we won Capital City Web Awards, um, that in itself, we won a, oh yeah, we won a Webby uh, that year as, or a Telly, actually, a Telly that year as well. Um, that to me was confirmation of that fact. Because had I, these moments were always planned to be manifested. But if I had stopped there, um, I wouldn't have gotten those awards. And a lot of the contacts that I made within the industry came through because of season two of Tollbooth and were solidified through my other projects. So it never would have happened without that. And had I quit and the next project I did had to start from square one, that moment never would have would have happened. So I always look back on those moments, 2019, as as the year where it truly shows what perseverance uh, will do. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I mentioned earlier, there's two questions I always ask. Uh, one is the superpower, and and this is usually my question to finalize things because um, there's never enough time. Um, what does living a rich life mean to you? Living a rich life, what that means to me is knowing that it's not about what you're doing, it's about whom you are being. Mm. And uh, we have to focus on being rather than doing. And I'll break it down. A lot of times people say, what do you do for a living? Or, you know, what do you, and we always tend to describe ourselves based upon the work we do. Um, but who are you? Who are you being? And when you focus on simply just being, I am a peaceful person. I'm an entertaining person. I want, I, I want to feel love. I want to feel peace. I find peace. I can, I'm able to express that peace, that love through my writing. Mm -hmm. So that is what people have got to remember. When you stop dictating who you are based upon the money, based upon what you do for a living, and just simply focus in, in just on who you want to be, you'll start to feel 
rich and all of the things that you want in life, you just start to attract. It's, it's something that I've really have uh, put in a lot of energy in over the last couple of years. And it took me a while to do so. So I always want to share that message with anybody that will listen. And when you do that, man, I'm telling you, your life will be rich. No matter what's going on around you, right. your life will be rich. Just focus on who you want to be and not what you do and you know who people think you are. I, I, Derek, I got to tell you, I, I asked that question on over over 50 shows now, and I'm probably cutting it down. That that I, I like that answer. Yeah. I, 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 lo I love that answer. <clears throat> Excuse me. But as I mentioned, there's, there's, there's never enough time. I, I do want to thank you for, for being on the show. Um, what I usually do is I have some closing remarks, so hopefully you'll stick around. Don't, don't go anywhere just yet. All right. And with that being said, this is that living a rich life closing remarks. And I'll tell you this, folks, that's watching and listening. Um, your life experience is a moving picture of which you are the writer, director, performer, producer, and critic. Sometimes people get stuck in the past. Just remember, the past is a lesson, not a life sentence. Forgive yourself. Focus on the future. I want to say thank you to Mr. Derek Lewis Gray for sharing your story and inspiration today. Thank Anything you. Anything you want to leave the people before you uh, before we close out? Uh, just look out for us. I mean, 2021, 2022, there are going to be some fantastic uh, times ahead. Uh, Letters from Sam comes out uh, late spring. You got the detour coming out in the summer. Stay close to my Instagram pages, uh, Toll Booth, uh, the series on Instagram, Derek Lewis Gray on Instagram. Uh, if you stay close to those two pages, you'll have the up-to-date information on projects, dates, and all that good stuff coming soon. And, and what about now your production company, right? You yes. Uh, my production company, Michael Lucas Productions, is also on Instagram, Michael Lucas Productions. Uh, we, I share all the information on all platforms. A lot of people ask me about auditions and stuff. Right now, we are shut down for a while. We've got enough projects going on right now that can get us through, hopefully, until things become a little bit more safe on an independent level. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. But um, any new information you can always find on all three of those sites, Instagram and on Facebook. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks a lot, uh, Derek. Thank you. And uh, again, I'm, I'm putting my bid in. I don't need any lines. I just, I carry a tray or something. Absolutely. You got, <laughs> you got it. It'll be my movie, my movie debut. I, I love it. I love it. So again, I, I want to thank Derek Lewis Gray for sharing his story. Um, folks, Go out, support this young black man. Um, he's doing some phenomenal things. He's put out some phenomenal work. You see the growth in his work. I can say that. He loves his craft. He studies his craft. And again, I, I encourage you to, to go out and check the detour that's coming out. Letters from Sam. And take a look at some of his uh, previous work. And I'm not going to call it old because it's still pretty good. So we'll leave it at that. So until next week, I want folks to stay focused. Continue to be inspired to live a rich life. This is Rich James saying good night. Thank you for tuning in to BeExposedRadio.com. Till next week.